Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. There are some certain spiritual laws that has to be obeyed if you want to receive the blessings of God. If you want to enjoy the things that God is going to pour our way this year, there are some certain spiritual laws that you have to obey. Obedience to this law, and the, the interesting thing is that the obedience to these laws, they are not optional. Okay? You don't have to know about the law. You don't even have to agree with the law. You don't even have to ex- accept what is being said. Most important is that you have to obey the law. I've always given this example before. I say you don't have to like the law of gravity to obey it. You don't even have to believe that the law of gravity is in existence. Okay? All you have to do is go to the Batman's Tower in downtown. Jump from that Batman's Tower and then you will find out whether the law of gravity exists or not. Okay? But that is not a good way to find out. Okay? But the point we're making is that obedience to these spiritual laws is not optional. It does not matter whether you are ignorant of the law. It is still operational. It does not matter whether you like the law. The law still holds. Spiritual laws do not change or bend to our own whims and caprices. No. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you, whether you like it. It doesn't have anything to do with your preference. Spiritual laws are absolute and they are unchanging. And we'll be talking about one of those laws in this whole month. Or for the next several weeks. We'll be talking about one of those laws. In Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We want to read from verse number 7 there. Galatians chapter 6. Reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap also. Okay, verse number 8. For he that sowed to his flesh shall to the flesh reap, reap corruption. But he that sowed to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life everlasting. Now from this verse of the scripture, the Bible is telling us that there are spiritual laws that governs the reproduction and the prosperity of God's people. And these laws function on very simple principle. And that principle is the principle of sowing and reaping. Very, very simple. Okay? I'm sure many of us sitting here today, we have heard the, you know, we've heard a sermon on, on the law of harvest. We've heard about how to give and how, you know, giving and to receive. And many of us have heard that. Okay? Which is, which I know, and we've heard about the law of harvest. And the law of harvest basically is what you reap is a function of what you sow. It's a very simple law. Okay? So it doesn't matter whether you are white or black, whether you are tall or blue, you're short, or whether you are fat or thin. It doesn't matter. As long as you obey the law, it works for you. So what you reap is a function of what you sow. Now, inherent in this particular law are some basic facts. And I'll quickly share those basic facts with you. Number one about that particular basic fact is that you determine what type of harvest you want. Based on this particular law. The kind of harvest you want, you are the one who determines it. Number two, you determine what type of, you determine what your harvest will be. 
Whether you want it to be bountiful or to be small. Whether you want it to be sparing or to be heavy. You determine what type of your, what your harvest will be. By the fruits, that, by the seeds that you plant. You determine the size of your harvest. Number four, you determine, you know, the law of harvest does not discriminate. Okay? The law of harvest does not discriminate. Like I said earlier, oh, it doesn't matter whether you are a male or female, tall or short or white or black. It doesn't matter. As long as you obey the law, it works for you. And then finally, the quality of your seed determines the quality of your harvest. Alright? In other words, if you sow a corrupted seed, you will reap, if, you're, if you are lucky enough to even reap a harvest, you, but you will reap a corrupted harvest, basically. If you, the quality of your seed determines the quality of your harvest. Now, in Psalm 126, Psalm 126 that we read in our, in our Bible reading, the Bible tells us in verse number 5, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weep, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, from this verse of the scripture, you will see some, some basic things about this law. The first one is that harvest is assured for those who will take the time to sow. In other words, if you sow something, the law is telling you that regardless of what you sow, you are going to get an harvest. You might not like it, but you are going to get something. So, harvest is assured for those who will take the time to sow. And if you look at that verse number, uh, number 5 of uh, Psalm 126, it says, They that sow in they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. There is an assurance that as long as you sow, as long as you sow something, you will get an harvest. Number two, there is a reason, there is a season for harvest. So harvest is not every day. You don't reap everything. You don't reap every day. That's why the Bible says, "He that goes forth and weepeth, bringing bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again." In other words, there is a season. There is a season for harvest. How do we know this? If you go to Genesis chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8, reading from verse number 22, the Bible tells us there, in, chapter, in verse 22, it says, while the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. There will be cold and there will be heat. There will be summer and there will be winter. There will be day and there will be night and they shall not cease. In other words, there is going to be season. So the day you plant is not the day you reap. Okay, there is a season for harvest, which simply means that if you miss the time of planting, there is a strong probability that you're going to miss the day of harvest. So there is a season for harvest. And if you miss that particular season, you'll probably have to wait if God has mercy on you. So number three thing we find from that psalm is that the third thing we learn from Psalm 126 is that the process of sowing and reaping is sometimes painful. Sometimes painful. Look at that verse of the prayer. Look at that verse of the scripture. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weep, bearing precious seed. In other words, it is not an easy process to sow. If you want to get a bountiful harvest, it involves a lot of labor. It involves a lot of work. It involves a lot of sweat. What the Bible is telling us that the process of sowing and reaping involves is not sometimes, it's not pretty. So while there is assurance that there will be reaping, that we will all reap a harvest when we sow, the process of sowing and reaping is not always easy. It can be very painful. Now that we have gone through that particular spill, like I said, many of us have heard the story, we've heard the message of, uh, of sowing and reaping. And the first thing that normally comes to mind when you hear this time is that this guy is trying to ask for money. 
<laughs> that is always the thing that comes to mind. Everybody's always talking about yeah, it. When you talk about sowing and reaping, you're talking about sowing and you're talking about asking for money. To a large extent, most messages in that particular in that particular uh, uh, frame is always true. They are always trying to prep you up so that they can get some money from you. But my goal this morning. Though we at Lifelong Anointing Church are not allergic to money, what we try to do is that we do not make it a centerpiece of our preaching. And that is why, for those who have been here long enough, you know that apart from the time of offering, that's about the only time we talk about money in this place. Not because we hate money, but because we believe that when you have a relationship with the Almighty God, you know when to give and you know what to give. I don't need somebody to prep you up to tell you that God will bless 500 people here. No, no, no. The idea is this. To a large extent, when we talk about the issue of sowing and reaping, people expect money. People expect that by preacher we talk about money. But my goal this morning is for us not just to talk about money, but to understand how to tap into the resource of heaven. Because when you understand spiritual laws, when you understand how things operate, I tell you nobody needs to tell you when to give. You know when to give. You know what to do. It's just like I give the example every time when people get married. A man who loves his wife, a woman who loves the husband, you never go and begin to tell them, you know, it is good to take care of your husband. You know, it is good. To, you don't do that. Because out of love, they respond. And that is why, that is, at least that's my own point of view, that's why we don't spend too much time talking about money. But my goal this morning is to help us understand how to, re, how to tap into the resource of heaven, to give us an insight into God's plan for the abundant life. Jesus Christ said in the book of John chapter 10 verse 10, He said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You must understand the principles. You must understand the spiritual laws that undergirds how a man can tap into the abundant life. That is our goal this morning. That is what I intend to do. Because the law of harvest is not just about money. It's about your whole life. It's about everything that we talk about. When our brother wanted to collect the offering this morning, he gave a verse of the scripture. Told John verses below. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. What you will see in that verse of the scripture is the level of prosperity. Levels of prosperity. You see the physical level of prosperity, and then you see a spiritual level of prosperity. I always tell people, what you cannot achieve in the spirit, it will be very difficult for you to achieve in the physical. Unless you are able to see something happen for you in the spirit, it will never happen in the physical. And that is why when Jesus Christ sent his disciples out to go and pray, he said, I saw the prince of this world fall. That is why the people were able to have what? They were able to have victory on the field, on the evangelism field. The point I am making here this morning is that unless you understand the spiritual law, unless you are able to win in the spiritual environment, physically you may not be able to get what you are dreaming for, what you are hoping for. That is why we are talking about the laws of harvest this particular morning. So when I talk about the law of harvest, we are we'll be looking about the principles that will help us to get both physical and spiritual harvests. Because when you understand the spiritual, when you understand the law, the spiritual principles and the spiritual laws, you'll be able to tap into it. And once you are successful in the spiritual arena, everything carries into the physical. So having said all that, the question is, what is the law of harvest? And how does the law work? What is the law of harvest and how does it work for us? The law of harvest, you know, how does it work for us? For you, the, 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 why, why are we asking this question? Why do you want to know about the law of harvest? The first thing you want to know is that you must know the law and how it works for you to obey it. Right? If you don't know the law and you don't know how it works, how do you want to obey it? And that's why the Bible tells us that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. They don't know so they don't even know how to obey it. 
Okay, they don't understand this, so they don't even know when they are violating that particular law. You must know the law and how it operates if you want, if you, uh, if you want to be able to know how you are doing when obeying that particular law. In other words, if you know the law and you know how it works, you can gauge your process, you can gauge your obedience, you can gauge how you are living your own life. So, what is the law of harvest and how does it work? There's a particular book written by one particular guy, it's called John Lawrence. The prophet, yeah, it's one of the, yeah, it's a theolo- yeah, more like a, a pastor theologian, sort of. And he wrote a book called The Seven Laws of Harvest. And in that Seven Laws of Harvest, he gave us an insight into what the law of harvest is all about. The first thing about the law of harvest is that we reap much more than, we, we reap much of what we did not sow. That's the first law, according to this guy. Then we reap much of what we did not sow. In other words, we enjoy much of the things that others have worked for. Okay, many of us are enjoying the freedom of this country. There are some other people that paid for it. So sometimes we, the law of harvest, say you reap much of what you have not sown for, not what you have not sown. Number two, the law of harvest says we reap the same kind as we sow. In other words, whatever you sow is what you will reap. If you sow good, you will reap good. If you sow evil, you will reap evil. If you sow anger, you will you, you will reap anger. Basically, that is what he said. You will reap the same kind of what you sow, and that is why if you plant orange, you get orange. You don't plant orange and expect to go and get apple. It will not happen unless you are a magician or you are living in what you are living in the Hollywood and they show you movies. Other than that, what you sow is what you reap. We reap the same kind as we sow. Number three, the law of harvest says we reap in different seasons than we sow. In other words, you do not harvest the same day that you planted. Alright? Though there is microwave, but it still doesn't happen. Okay? There might be TV, it still doesn't happen. But the point is, the law of harvest is that we reap in different seasons than we sow. Number four, we, we, we reap much more than we sow. In other words, if you sow one kernel of corn, you are definitely going to reap what? You are going to reap at least in a healthy, in a healthy cup, you are going to get at least 450 of it. If you just sow one. You are at least going to get 450. So we reap much more than we sow. Harvest is always greater than what you planted. And it works both, it works both positively and negatively. In other words, if you sow good behavior, you will see a lot of good behaviors come unto you. But if you sow some bad behavior, it's going to multiply and do what? And come back to you also. So we reap much more than we sow. Number five, we reap in proportion as we sow. Okay, we reap in proportion as we sow. And that's why the Bible says, if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. The more you sow, the greater your harvest. Number six, they will reap only through perseverance. You reap only through perseverance. In other words, you don't just sow. How many of us have ever farmed here? How many of us have ever farmed there? If you have ever farmed, you know that you don't just, even let's just say garden, don't put farm. Farm is a big one. Let's look at garden. Just you have a tomato farm or a tomato plant that you put in your house. If you just drop the seed and walk away, what is the probability that you're going to get something there? Very, very, very limited. Because the seed, the weed will overturn that particular plant. They will kill that thing. You have to tend it. You have to walk at it. You have to water it. You have to give it enough sunlight. You have to do what you need to do to make sure that things are in the proper place. We reap only through perseverance. If you just put it in there, it's not going to happen. And that's why wheat grows automatically. But vegetables require tending. Alright? Weeds grow automatically, but vegetables require tending. We reap 
only through perseverance. Alright, we cannot do anything about the harvest of the past. That's number six. You cannot do anything about the harvest of the past. If you missed a season of harvest, there's nothing you can do about it. It's already gone. Alright? It's just like you're complaining about what happened last, uh, last, uh, last fall. It won't change anything. You can complain from now till kingdom come. It doesn't change anything. The only thing you can do right now is to be able to make sure that the next fall will not have the same result. That you will not miss the next harvest. So we cannot do anything about the past harvest. You can only take you cannot take advantage of missed opportunity. You can only prepare for the next one. Okay? So we cannot do anything about past harvest. And those are the law. Now that we have an idea of what the law of harvest is all about, the question is how does the law work? How does this law work? For the law to work, there are some five basic principles upon which the laws of harvest sits. And this is where this is where this message on ripping and sowing will be different from any other message that you probably heard before. The law of harvest works through five basic principles. The first principle is the principle of identification. Harvest will not come until you identify the seed of your harvest. You will never have a harvest unless you identify the seed that will produce that harvest. Number two, the principle of preparation. Harvest will not come until the soil is prepared for the seed for it to grow. Number three, the principle of engagement. Harvest will not come until you engage in the process. All right? If you are not engaged in the process, you will not get an harvest. Number four, the principle of anticipation. Harvest will not come until there is a hopeful expectation that the result will come from the labor of your work. And then, five, and then number five, there is a principle of gathering. There is no harvest until you have gathered it. Alright? And that is why you might be seeing some people who have a lot of results. They see things, are, you know, they plant a particular uh, field. If they refuse to go into the, into the field to gather the, the crops, that harvest becomes wasted. So, God, harvest will not happen until there is a gathering. That is the principle of gathering. So, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking, breaking down each of these principles so that we can understand what it takes to be able to tap into the, you know, the, 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 the spiritual blessings that will release the abundance in our individual lives. And I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So let's begin with the very first principle, which is the principle of identification. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Reading from verse number 11. Genesis 1, reading from verse 11, the Bible says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and the, tree yield, and the, and the, and the fruit trees yielding fruit after its kind, Whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. This very verse introduces unto us the very first principles of the laws of harvest, which is the law of identification. The Bible tells us, they let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and fruit, uh, fruit trees yielding fruit after his own kind. Whose seed is in itself? In other words, for harvest to happen in your life, for harvest to happen in my life, uh, there must be a seed that we already possess. In other words, you cannot do abracadabra, boom, and then, they, and then you start having a plant. No. And that is why it is something very, very interesting. When you go to the grocery store, and you have seedless grape, and you have seedless orange, and you have seedless whatever, you have seedless watermelon, the question that should be coming to, your back, to the back of your mind is this, how do you intend to grow, how do you intend to grow the next set of food, if these things are seedless? Okay, so the harvest will not happen in our life until there is 
for, for, for harvest to happen in our life, there must be a seed which we already possess. And that's why in every life, God has deposited something that will be used for your own benefits. God has deposited something in your life that you can use, that you can take, and then begin to multiply that thing for your own good. The seed must be in it. And that's why the Bible tells us the book of Genesis. And that's why God did not go back to begin to reproduce the whole earth and create new and create things every time. Because what he did was that in order to be able to preserve the generations that will come, in order to be able to guarantee harvest, God took that seed that will produce the harvest and put it right inside that particular object. Just like you and I. There are seeds inside of us. There are, there are blessings. There are, there are potentials that are inside of you. That all you have to do is to be able to recognize that potential. Deploy that potential. And then you will see God move on your behalf. And that is why every time when you see a miracle about to happen in the, in the Bible, you always ask a question. What is in your hands? What do you see? What is in your hand? When the Lord was about to bless Moses and take Moses' ministry to a new height, he said, what is in that your hand? A rod. He said, then take that rod. And then the breath of the, breath of the Almighty God fell upon that rod and the rod became something else. It was already a seed in his life. Something that he already possessed. Okay? For harvest to happen, there must be a seed which we already possess. The Bible is saying that the grass, the herbs, the fruit tree already have their seeds inside of them. Okay? So that if you are going to produce any harvest, all they have to do is to launch that seed. Okay? If a seed, if a tree wants to reproduce itself, if a tree wants to begin to produce another kind of tree, another tree of itself, it has to just do, all it has to do is just take the seed and launch it. And that seed already has the genetic code that will do what? That will reproduce that particular, you know, reproduce, reproduce another tree for him. So, all we have to do is to be able to recognize that particular seed. Now, since the Bible says in Genesis 1.11 that everything produces after its kind, if you are going to operate and benefit from the laws of harvest, you must identify the seed of your harvest which is already in you that will produce the kind of harvest you are looking for. Let's break that down. You want to be able to excel in a particular area. You are trusting God for a particular kind of harvest. You have to be able to look inside of you. What do I have that can give me the result that I want? Okay? What do I have inside of me that will give me the results that I want? Because the seed will produce after its own kind. Alright? If you, you cannot say, I want to reap oranges, and then the seed you have is the seed of apples. If you plant that seed of apple, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much anointing is placed upon you, no matter how much of a laying on of hand that will happen to you, you will not get the other seed. You will not get the other fruit. Because what you have is not the seed for the harvest that you are looking for. So if you want a particular kind of harvest, you have to be able to find the seed that will produce that harvest for you. The law of harvest will only work for us if we identify the seed of our harvest which is already in us that will produce after its kind. In other words, the principle of identification requires that you identify the seed in your life. What do we hope to achieve as individuals? What do we hope to achieve as a family? What do we hope to achieve as a church? We need to be able to first of all identify that harvest and then look within us. What has God placed inside of us to give us that particular harvest? What seed has He placed inside of us to give us that harvest? Until you identify that seed, you might just be riding around in circles and that will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. The question there is, why must you identify the seed of your harvest? 
Why? The first reason is because your seed holds the secrets of your harvest. If you pick up that particular seed of grain or corn or whatever you want to call it, if you pick it up, everything that that particular seed needs to be to produce another set of corn is already encoded inside of it. It's already inside of it. I don't know whether any one of you have ever seen a particular uh, seed that has been infested by insects. What do you find? You find that the insect always goes for one particular part of that particular seed. And that is the part that has the genetic code. That is the part that will be able to produce the results that you are expecting. And that is what the enemy goes after in every life. You look at that, like the enemy is not interested in the things that you are running after. No, he's only interested in one simple thing. And that is the seed that will produce the result that you are looking for. That's all he's looking for. As long as he's able to take that particular seed, as long as he's able to corrupt that seed, as long as he's able to steal and destroy that seed, he knows that the future has been destroyed. So why must you identify the seed? Number one, you identify the seed because your seed holds the secret of your harvest. If your seed is good, your harvest will be good. If your seed is bad, your harvest harvest will be bad. Your seed holds the genetic code. It holds the secret of your harvest. Number two, why do you have to identify your seed? You identify your seed because your seed determines your harvest. Your seed determines your harvest. No matter how hard you try, apples will not produce oranges. Your seed determines your harvest. Number three, why do you have to identify your seed? You identify your seed because your seed shapes your future. Your seed is the one that shapes the future that you are looking for. Because if you don't have any seed to produce, why was it that the farming in Africa, when they talk about farming in Africa, why is it so deadly? The reason it is deadly is because it's not because the people don't just have food. They don't even have a seed to produce a future. They don't have a seed to produce a future. There's one thing for you to be poor and still have a seed to sow. There's another thing for you to be poor and don't even have a seed to sow. When you see a farmer who has a calamity and the seed or the crop for the year has been destroyed, but in his barn he has a seed for the following season, he has a hope. But if the if the farm is destroyed and the barn is destroyed and the seed for the next year is also destroyed, that farmer is in serious trouble. And that is what happens to Christians. If your seed, your seed shapes your future. And unless you be able to identify that seed, you are able to identify the seed that will shape that future. What you will find is that you are going to be roaming up and down. You are going to be looking at the latest fad. You are going to be looking at the latest gimmick. And that is why people will tell you this is the best way to do and you jump on it. Because you have not identified your own seed. When you have identified what God has placed upon your hands, you will find out that your future is secure. It might look rough initially. It might look small initially. It might look uncertain initially. But as time goes on, because you know that the seed will produce its result, what you will find is that you have a better hope for a better future. Your seed shapes your future. That is why you must identify it. And then finally, your seed is the target of the enemy. Why was Herod so much interested in destroying the Lord Jesus Christ? Here was a baby that was born. A baby that cannot do anything against you. But the Herod was so determined to kill that particular baby because he wanted to destroy the seed. And if you go back to Genesis, you already see there. He said, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. Satan knows. 
So the point is that the seed that God has placed upon your life, that particular thing that will make your life move forward, that particular thing that will turn you around, that particular thing that will make you the person that God wants you to be, is that seed. And unless the enemy is able to touch that thing, the enemy is able to affect your future. The enemy is able to destroy your life. And that's why the Bible told on the book of John chapter 10 verse 10 that I spoke to you about a few minutes ago. It says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, he takes that seed. If you do not protect that seed, if you not if you don't if you don't if you don't if you don't, if you don't take care of that seed, what you find is the enemy come and corrupt that particular seed. If you cannot corrupt the seed, it will de- you know it will steal the seed. If you cannot steal it, it will destroy that particular seed. And that is why it is a very very sad commentary upon our society that our youths are not being treated, are not being are not being protected. Our youths are not being catered for. Our youths are not being tended so that they can become a better future. Because what you find is that when you destroy the youth of a particular society, you destroy the future of that particular society. Because when there are no, when there's no, when there's no, when there's no foundation, when they're not properly grounded, when the when the children of this of the, of the of a particular society do not understand what it means to walk with the Lord, what you will find is that the future of that society is in jeopardy. And the same thing happened on an individual level, on a family level, on a corporate level, on a societal level. It's the same principle. Your seed is the target of the enemy. How do you preserve the future for somebody? How do you assure that there's going to be a future? The only way you can assure a future is when you preserve the seed. Because if you don't preserve the seed and you destroy that seed, there is no future for that particular individual. There's no future for that particular group of people. There's no future for that church or no future for that community when the seed has been destroyed. That is why you need to identify it so that you can protect it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, We thank you for listening.